the truth. Thy word is truth. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads before you in face of the, the opportunities and the challenges of a new year, we ask that as your people that you would cause us to understand that you, who you are, and to be still before you, to have you that in our lives in a way that's appropriate to whom you are, and to how you love us and how you care for us. And may that be the cut of our lives and the actions of our, of our lives, of our being, through the whole of this year. And may these failing words and the truth of the, of the gospel of, of, the, of your scriptures lead us to those ends. In Christ we pray. Amen. 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 Happy New Year. Happy New yeah, Year. yeah. Here we are faced with another one, right? Yes. Yeah. The, um, before we get into the message itself, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm the book guy, right? So I have some information for you that may be helpful. All of these, and of course this is, the Christian literature is not limited to these by any stretch of the imagination, are all oriented and geared in a way that will facilitate the, the core of the message that hopefully we will, I will bring to you today. The first one is um, Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence. Those of you who know this, those of you who don't, he was a monk in, this, in the 1700s, uh, 1700s, 1600s, excuse me. Uh, and he was a dishwasher and a cook in his monastery. He wasn't, didn't have formal education, so he wasn't even allowed to be a priest. But he lived all of his life in the, mon in the monastery, washing dishes and cooking food. Uh, and out of that, out of his understanding of who God was and his constant practice of the presence of God in his life, people from all over would travel just to talk to Brother Lawrence uh, because of his wisdom and his knowledge and his ability to speak spiritual truth into their lives. And this is a little book that's a compilation of his principles and maxims and his letters and correspondence with other people. I highly recommend it. It's been around for several years. A lot of you know about it. If you know a good Christian reformed, uh, Dutch reformed brother, Andrew Murray, good South African, uh, lived in about the mid-1800s, wrote a, a, a lot of books in the, on the, in the devotional standpoint. His whole idea, he was a credible theologian in his own right, but his whole idea was to translate that into the lives of people. And so the one that I'm currently working through uh, is Abide in Christ. Here's a book on waiting on God, humility, and absolute surrender. And all of these things relate to the message that we're talking about. Uh, he has one on the Christ in the School of Prayer and several others. Um, you, uh, I highly recommend um, any work by Andrew Murray. And then this little book, uh, this is an old edition um, by Philip Keller. Uh, a Shepherd Looks at the Psalm 23, which really takes you through the Psalms, that Psalm, from a shepherd's standpoint, from someone who actually raised sheep. And the, the analogies uh, are that this whole, um, the psalm comes alive when you understand that. And then last but not least, I highly recommend to you Andrew Brunson's book, um, God's Hostage, about the, his imprisonment in Turkey. Uh, the things that he experienced and went through and the expectations that he had 
course, did not meet the reality of his, his imprisonment and the things that he have suffered during his imprisonment. Uh, but the lessons that he learned about who God is and how he is before God and the strength that he had in the midst of that uh, and his message to us that this is what you can do when you face similar circumstances and it looks increasingly like that may be a real reality in the next few years. Highly recommend Andrew Brunson's book, God's Hostage. These will be up here. Please don't take them, but I'll be happy if you look at them and ask me questions about them, if you will. Yeah, a little, the commercials being aside. Uh, I was talking to some people earlier, and I, I think I've discovered a, a cure for, the, a solution to the national debt that occurred to me late last night, is that the government should go into the fireworks business because about, probably about a billion dollars was spent on my neighborhood alone in fireworks. If you stretch that out across Houston, that'll about half the debt right there. It's just, it's gone. Uh, somebody's got some money somewhere. Uh, anyway. Um, if you have your, uh, your Bible with you, turn with me to uh, Psalm 46, the, the gist of the, the whole of the sermon well, not the whole of it, but the main part of the sermon will come from this psalm, and we'll, we'll flip over to Mark uh, uh, chapter 4. Remain seated if you, if you will give um, the, God's word the respect it will do as you sit, as you sit, in your seat. You'll listen to what the word of God has to say to us. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. He has wrought desolation in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. And here's the, the core of what we're going to try to reach today. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Uh, and if you would turn with me, please, over to the New Testament, the second book of the New Testament in the book of Mark. There it is, chapter 4, starting to read with verse 35. On that day when evening came, he said to them, let us go over, go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with him in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. There arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus, Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushions. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to them, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you have, still have no faith? 
They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Well, here we are faced with a new year, like we did last year. All its possibilities and all of its liabilities lay before us. And the opportunities that we have to live before Christ in the midst of this year is the challenge. How are we as Christians, how are we our brothers and sisters in Christ, how are we as a congregation going to live before the watching world as Christ's own? Now there are, in face with any new situation, there are several things that can be done. You can do nothing. Just button, what I call button down the hatches, just kind of pull everything in and hope, the, hope for the best that everything will turn out okay and just kind of grit your teeth as you go through it. Or you could try to change something, anything, something, hoping that, that maybe this will make the year better and make the bad go away and make my life much easier. Or you could change everything. Just turn everything around. Uh, get a new job. Go to a different city. Um, uh, find a different school. Buy a new wardrobe. Paint the house. Build a, build a swimming pool. Whatever. Anything. Change everything so that maybe we'll cover something that will make our life better and easier this year. Or you could just take the, the, the hippy-dippy approach. Just stay cool. Just chill out. If it comes, it comes. No big deal. You know, just Go along with the flow. Just go with the flow. Oh, there are other options, combinations of those, other things that we could be doing for the new year. But for the Christian, there is a different way. For the Christian, there is a way that is contrary to the way of the world. And it's right there in that little verse chapter, in, chapter, in Psalm 46, chapter 10. Cease striving, or be still, or stop, and know that I am God. So let's try to unpack this a bit as we look at the context of the, uh, of the, of the passage in, uh, of, of the whole of the psalm. It's a very short psalm, only 11 verses. Um, it starts out there with verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Okay, what's a refuge? A refuge is a place where you go when you're in trouble, when you need respite. When you need security, when you need a little bit of quietness, when you need some rest and recreation, that refuge is there. You don't need a refuge when times are easy. When times are easy, everything's great, no big deal. And we think that everything's fine, and so we don't need any, any other help. Well, that's not the point, but that's the way we live our lives. But particularly when the troubles come, that refuge is what we look for. Anything that will help me get through this, anything that will help me avoid this, anything that will help me not destroy, get destroyed because of it. We need a refuge. And this passage starts out by saying, if you know Christ, then that's who your refuge is. It's God who is your refuge and your strength. Because that refuge becomes a place where you get your tea and biscuits, where you have your rest and recreation, where you are not so that you can stay there and drink biscuits while the, while the war goes on, but so that you can get refreshed and, and you find yourself strengthened and go back into the conflict. So it's our refuge and our strength. It's the place where we go for comfort. It's the place where we get renewed and strengthened so that we can continue the fight and continue the battle. 
And he says that God is our refuge and strength. And yes, you need to go into all the different ways the world says, no, 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 this is the refuge. No, this is your strength. This is what you should be doing. The gospel clearly says that if God is God, and if you're a child of God, and you belong to his kingdom, then God is your refuge, and God is your strength. Very plainly, no options here whatsoever. A very present help in trouble. Not somebody who's far off, not somebody in the next state, not somebody in the next county, not somebody in the next house, present with you where you are now, what you are facing, where you are going. He's already there. He's always with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Though we won't, uh, therefore, okay, there, okay, okay, good. Theologically speaking, let's just go there. Okay, okay well, we'll agree to that. Then what is the logical conclusion of that? Well, it goes right on in saying, therefore, we will not fear. Are you afraid? Then who is your refuge and your strength? Who is your present help? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm afraid all the time. I mean, I'm afraid of everything. I'm afraid of my wife. <laughs> you know, what, 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 what does that mean? If you look at the whole of Scripture, I don't think, in some cases, it, that's definitely the case. But let's say Daniel's in the lion's den. Do you think Daniel was cool in the lion's den? Do you think he wasn't concerned about what the lions could do to him? Do you think that he did not know and understand what hungry lions do to living human beings when they're confined together? So do you think he was not afraid? Of course he was afraid. Do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not afraid when the furnace was there? They were terrified. That's not the point. How did you act? What did you do? Who is your refuge and strength? You see? That determines how you act. And you do not act in fear, even though you are afraid. Because we have a refuge and a strength that is ever-present, always with us, never leaves us, never forsakes. That's how you act. Being afraid is just a part of being a human being. One of these days we'll be rid of that, but before the Lord comes again, we won't. So in the midst of your fear, who is your refuge and strength? Though the mountains, he uh, goes on, though the mountains slip into the sea, though the waters roar and form, though the mountains quake, what he's saying here is that in the midst of these natural disasters, remember the flood? In the midst of the flood, um, I remember sitting in my house, just watching the weather like glued to it, seeing the, those weather fronts, those weather bands come constantly right up where we were living, dumping tons of water, 50-something inches of water. And every, tons of people's houses, you hear about this flooding this, and flooding that, and flooding this. Sitting there just biting my nails off to the knuckles, you know, praying that God would spare us. And he, he did, but not because of anything of us. That's just the way that, that um, he chose to operate things. But my, I was eaten up with, with, with that concern because I had no control over it, none whatsoever. Could not do anything about it. So I started thinking about how can I get my stuff up? How can I get it upstairs? How can I get these books off the floor? How can I keep things from being destroyed? Which is what all of us went through, particularly those of you whose houses did get flooded. Well, shouldn't we, should we not do that? Should we just sit back and go, well, God's my refuge and strength, so, you know, if it floods, it floods, 
Okay. Maybe sometimes, yes. But it's reasonable and logical to say, okay, my house may be flooded. I've got these books on the floor. I've got to get them up. Let's get as many as we can upstairs and go and do what you have to do. That's perfectly fine. But when you become overwhelmed by those things that are beyond your control, as you are doing the things that you can do, who is your trust? Whom do you trust? My ability to protect my goods from the flood? Well, sorry, that's done. You didn't do that very well. You cannot prevent it. If it floods my house, it floods my house. And you know the trouble that that causes and all the pain and sorrow that that causes about all the stuff that you have to go through to do that. What a mess. And God spared some of us and he didn't spare others. He didn't spare others of us. So what do you do? Did God not care for those people whose houses were flooded? Did he care for me because mine was not? Wait a minute. Who is your refuge and your strength? Regardless of what happens as a result of you're not being able to foresee or not being able to provide, you know, jack my house up on stilts, you know, right quick, or maybe see that 10 years, well, in 10 years there's going to be a flood, so I'm going to get my house built up. But like, who can do that? I mean, no, that's ridiculous. Somebody would laugh at you. And well, for, for 800 years, you'd be just really an idiot. But for that one year, you'd be a genius. Everybody would think, oh, my gosh, he's a prophet. Because you just happened to get it right. So you can't do those things normally. Normally what you do is that you, you don't expect that, and when it comes, you're overwhelmed by it. Those natural disasters, those natural things that occur, diseases, all those kinds of things, you have no control over for the most part. You can do a little bit, but when it comes, what do you do? Who is your refuge? Who is your strength? And it says here very plainly that it is God who's in control of those things. He can stop those things you can't. So as, as, uh, because of his sovereignty, because of his control, because of he's God, where is your strength and your trust? So what if my house floods? Then praise God it floods. What if my house was spared? Then praise God my house was spared. Why? Because my refuge and strength is not in the physical possessions I own. It's not in my ability to have a clean house. It's in who God is. And what he does in his sovereign grace in my life, for good or ill, is the joy of my life. Now there's a task for the Christian life for this year. Have that as a part of your life. Harder than it seems. Almost impossible to completely do in this life. But once in a while, there are little glimpses of it in our lives as we catch ourselves doing by God's grace, those things, and experiencing the, the benefits from it. I've seen, in the past year, I've seen, I've talked to some people whose lives are, are kind of in trouble. And by God's grace, uh, in spite of the trouble, their lives are better. Not because they talked to me or anything, but because they were able to see who God was and then shift their, their emphasis from what they were doing to what God is calling them, plainly to do. And they're, and, and they're strengthened in their faith. Uh, again, not because of anything that, that I may have done, but because they had a chance to see it and deal with it firsthand. So the trials and the tribulations can produce for us those things that God wants to plant within us. And so the reason my house was saved or the reason my house was flooded has nothing to do with anything that, you know, that I can dream up. It has with everything to do with what God plans for my life. Here's my opportunity to trust Him 
and to, to extend my grace to those whose houses were flooded. Here's my opportunity to serve him and to praise him in the midst of the flood. Whom do you serve? Who is your refuge? Who is your strength? He continues on. Uh, we, don't, we, have, we don't have time to go through all of this. It's, it's a wonderful psalm. I highly in, 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 uh, encourage you to invest your time in considering it. But he goes down here and he talks a little bit in, um, yeah, yeah, in verse 6. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. And he's, there he shifted the shift from, the, the, from these natural disasters to the things that man can do. The things that, that we confront in, in this world that man plots against us. That, that as a result of our own failures and insecurities and our own lack of Christian faith or what p- people have actually decided to do f- against us because they hate the things of God. And who's in control of that? Who, can, who, who breaks the spear and, and crushes the chariot? Well, it's who God is. Where is your strength? Who is your strength and who is your, uh, who is your stronghold? And he, right down in verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Why? Because he's the one who breaks the bow. You mean, I don't need tanks and ammunition and guns and planes and drones and weapons to win a war? Well, if you're going to war and you don't have them, uh, I would seriously consider suing for peace. That's not what Gideon did. Remember him? 30,000 trained mercenaries and, and, and army that he was facing with only 3,000. God whittled them down to 300. 300 versus 30,000. That's 100 to 1 odds. Now you go to war with those kinds of odds. Let's see what happens to you. But sometimes God says, this is what I want you to do because I'm going to be glorified in this. This is for my glory. So you, your idea is to understand that your stronghold is not in the strength of your men or the, strong, or the numbers of them, but it's in who God is and what He is going to do in your life or through your life or with your life because He is your stronghold. Come behold the works of the Lord. He has wrought desolation of the earth. He makes wars to cease. As we he's talked about the breaking of the bow. Then he gets down to verse 10. So we've talked about natural disasters. We've talked about disasters that come as a result of man. And he gets right, he talks about stronghold and refuge. And he gets right down to 10 and says, Stop striving and know that I am God. And that's the key I submit to you. To how we should live this life. How we should live this year. Now, Let's try to understand a little bit about that. The, the, the phrase there, Rapha, is the Hebrew word. I had to look it up. Um, and it means several things. It means be still, stop striving, let go, withdraw. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean to be quiet, even though that, is, that, that can be understood here. It doesn't mean, uh, um, um, it, it's, it's more like, you're working too hard in the wrong way. You're, you, you are trying to solve this on your own without me. 
Who is your refuge and strength? Is it in your ability to get yourself out of the problems that you've gotten yourself into? Is it, is it the, your pat on the back that you're giving yourself because your life is going well? Is it your ability to, to, to have the things that you weigh that you want them to such a degree that you're, you're secure in that? Is that where your stronghold is? If that's, if, that's your, if that's your refuge, then you have it. Right? What do you need God for? But if you know who God is, if you are a, a disciple of Christ, then that's not the end of the story by any stretch of the imagination. Praise God that sometimes as a result of the actions that we do, that our lives can be better. Amen. And sometimes in spite of all of what we do, it just literally falls apart. How in the world could this happen? Who knows? Ultimately. But that's not the point. The point is in the midst of that, who do you trust? That's the point. How do you live your life? In the good times and in the bad. And this tells us right here, in you, when you get into it, because you know, this psalm is all about troubles. Very present health and trouble. It's all about the hard times. And it says, when you get into that, this is what you do. Shut up, sit down, and listen. That's exactly what he's saying, isn't it? Shut up. Stop. Listen to who, what God is. Who, listen to who God is. Understand who God, understand that he is your refuge and your strength. Understand what he says in his word about who he is and who you are and how you relate to him and what you should be doing with your life. Understand that, read that, study that, meditate on that, and then do it. And then live that way. And then make your life an expression of that. Or do it your own way, and there's your life. Well, for good or ill, there it is. And that's, that's as far as it goes. If you have your success, success then you have it. And I hope, I hope your life is infinitely successful. I really do. But a success for the Christian, a success that is, that is without God being the principal architect of that, the principal refuge and strength in my life in the midst of that, it's hollow. It fades away. It's gone. Look, read Ecclesiastes. It just doesn't last. It's not intended to last. Can't carry it with you sort of thing. Does that mean you shouldn't strive for success? That's not what we're saying. That's not what this is saying at all. Please, make your life as successful as you can. But as you're going about that success, where is your trust and where is your life? Not in your success, but in who God is. That's what matters. That's what this year should be about. Living your life based upon what God has said. And it's a very simple thing. It's a command here. Stop. And then an idea or a concept to consider, if you call it a concept. Know who God is. Understand how he works, who he is, who you are in relationship to him, how he says you should live your life, and live your life that way. And if by God's grace you have success, praise the Lord. And if by God's uh, grace you're facing uh, trouble like some people in our congregation are, return of cancer, operations that are just major, 
financial turns, all kinds of things that are going on in this small, moderate-sized congregation. And if that's in your life, then praise the Lord. And not to say that that's a good thing, but to say that there's your opportunity to, to stop and consider who God is and trust Him and rely on Him and live your life based on that. Not based upon, you know, the tiger that crouches at your door. Sure, you should be terrified of the tiger, but to act in terror in your life is to act as if God is not there. And that depends upon me. And that's not the Christian way of doing things. It's not the biblical way of doing things. It's the world's way. Have it, and if you have it, you have it. If you don't, then who is God? Then who is God? A little bit of warning. A little bit of warning. It goes back in verse, in, in Psalm 44. See, we tend to see, the, we tend to, we want things really simple and all worked out for us, uh, particularly me. Uh, and we want, we, we, in doing that, we tend to treat God like a vending machine. You know, you do your prayers and you read your Bible study and you, you know, yeah, I'm going to trust him. And then you put, you put your money in and you pull the handle and God sends the blessings, right? That's kind of the way it works. And if God doesn't send the blessings, then it's like, oh my, what's going on here? What's, what's the problem here? You know, where is God? God wouldn't show up. I don't know where he is, you know. Okay. So, and, he, and the psalmist says this in Psalm 44. He says, it starts out in verse 6, I will not trust in my bow. I will not trust in the sword to save me. But you have saved me from our adversaries. Again, he's starting out he, in the middle of the passage. He's saying, God is my refuge and my strength. But then he goes on to say in verse 9, yet. You have rejected us and brought us to dishonor. You did not, uh, we did not go out, you did not go out with our armies. You caused us to turn back from our adversaries. And those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. You set your people up cheaply. You have, you, you, we were approach among our neighbors. You made us a byword to the nations. We're a laughing stock among the people. All day long they dishonor us. On and on and on he goes. I trusted in God. He is my refuge and strength. And the world still dumped on me. I'm still in the bottom of the pit here. It's even gotten worse. What do you do? What do you do? Verse 17. All this has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you. And we have not, and you have, we have not dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned back. Our steps have not deviated from your way. Verse 20. If we had forgotten your name of the Lord or extended your hand to the, to the uh, um, yeah, or extended our hands to a strange God, would not God find this out? For your sake, we are killed all day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughter. Arouse yourself. Do you not sleep, O Lord? We will go to the death for you. We will go through the flood with you and for you. We will go through the hard times of the operations and through the cancers with you and for you. We will trust you in the midst of this. And if you save me, praise the Lord. And if I go to meet with you, praise the Lord. But I trust is in who God is regardless of my circumstances. The year lies in front of you. It's an open book. Oh, there are certain things that we know are going to happen, but certain things we have no earthy idea what's going to happen, both good or ill. The question is not that you 
don't have a life to live, or you don't make choices in the midst of that. The question is, what choices will you make? And in making of those choices, whom do you trust? Whom do you follow? Who is your God? Where is your security? Where is your refuge? And where is your strength? By God's grace, may it be in your life and the year that's before you and me. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we must confess that our own self-sufficiency and our own tendency to leave you by the wayside and just on Sunday mornings and just in our devotions, and that's it. But we understand and know that you are a God who's jealous for us, who's, never, who's always with us, who's never, who never leaves us, who never forsakes us never forsakes us, who goes through the storm in the boat with us. May our lives reflect that reality in all that we do and say, this year, all, through the rest of this year, through all of this year, through all of our lives. And may this church be a, a beacon of that hope to, these, to those of us individually who are in, and families who are part of it and to this community surrounding us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.